I'm Richard Lannan, rides with Canon, and this is the Glazing Insider Industry Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Nozzle. The Nozzle team captures photos, videos and drone footage from locations across the UK to create content for your social media and case studies for your website. To find out more about Nozzle's pay-as-you-go and monthly packages, visit nozzle.media. Welcome to the podcast dedicated to the people of the glazing industry. In this episode, I talk with Nikki Dunbar from Nix Collective. In this conversation, Nikki talks us through her fenestration journey all the way from how it started to the position she's in today. So, Without further ado, let's get started. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. How did you get into the fenestration world? Um, honestly, completely by accident. So <laughs> um, I graduated from uni and in events management and PR, and I couldn't get a job anywhere. So I applied for about 500 jobs, I think, something wow. like that. And it was all the whole, you've got a degree, but you've not got experience. So I wrote a letter to my local newspaper and said, I don't think it's right that graduates can't get jobs. <laughs> and the local MP picked up my story and said, can you come and work with me and organise a jobs fair? So I went and worked with him for six months. And then I went to this jobs fair, sort of working. And then I found HR Plastics, who is linear, got chatting to them and then the rest is history. <laughs> wow. So straight away you're seeing the marketing side of you to think, let's get publicity behind this. And it's yeah. really baffling that you were in that position. You know, you've got a degree and that's how they were sort of putting you into that box and saying, yeah. okay, you've got no experience. So if that hadn't have worked, what would you have done as an intern or something like that to get the experience? Probably, like, yeah, or just keep applying for jobs, I guess just doesn't give you the option to earn money. So I think that was brilliant. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, well, that was a good first step. So yeah. after Linear, where did you go and what did you do there? Linear, I started as a graphic designer. Right. So like design and marketing coordinator, I think. Just worked on all the brochures and rebranding Linear and then just everything marketing, really. That's where I sort of learned how to do marketing in the real world, I guess. So what was your degree in? <laughs> Events management and PR. Right. So that's the PR side of things. So the yeah. marketing, yeah, it's all part of that, isn't it? So, but the graphic design thing. So did you, did you enjoy that? Was that sort of a skill that you already had or something that you just developed as well while being in that role? I actually self-taught myself when I was about 16, 17. It's just something to do. Yeah. No, it's, it's how I got into video as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, I get that. It's, um, I was just interested because if it had been a marketing degree, how it sort of, but you saw it was like real world, you know, PR and it, how did that sort of tally up? Does it sort of, when you were learning about it at uni, are they very similar or was it quite a shock being different? Uh, to be quite honest, I didn't like it. Right. I, I've seen recently, I think one of my like Facebook memories, it said, I hate marketing. I can't understand why anyone does it, but yeah, here we go. <laughs> So how long were you at Linear? Five years. Five years. Mm. And then what, what happened? What made you move? Um, career progression. I think it was, I just thought it was time for a change, get out there, see what other industries are out there. But as you know, once you get in the glazing industry, you never leave. Everyone says that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You definitely. So I actually ended up at Bolster Marketing because I did the Paddle to Pedal GM fundraising challenge with Linear the year before. Right. And got speaking to Sarah. 
And then she sort of gave me a nudge after, you know, do you fancy sort of coming to work for us? And I was sort of, I don't know, I don't know. And then I think it was a pigs event, actually. We just got chatting again. I was like, yeah, let's, let's have a chat. And then moved to Bolster Marketing. Right. So you were there for how long? Two years. Two years. Is that before they moved into their new building? Yeah. 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 That's only recently, isn't it? Yeah. That, mm. That's a nice setup there. So, and what did you do there then? What was that? That was, started off just managing accounts, sort of planning the budgets and all things like that. And then I ended up in business development. So I was out on the road visiting people, talking to people, selling the marketing packages. So that was quite fun. I did enjoy that. Right. I see. So a bit of sales as well, yeah. really, wasn't it? Yeah. More, than, more than anything. And the, But having the knowledge behind you that you knew what they would need and it helps yeah. you talk to them. Because it was quite funny sort of as a woman going into an installer or a fabricator or something like that. But because I got the background at Linear, I knew all the geeky stuff. So I could just walk in and they'd sort of look at you and be like, what do you know about? And you just talk in and talk windows to them and you'd be like, okay, where do I sign? <laughs> Definitely helpful. So you were there for a couple of years. Yeah. What happened? What, what made you move on to the next phase of your life? Honestly, I was trying to get a mortgage. And right. because I was on business development, it was commission-based as well as salary. So the, the mortgage people didn't really know what to do with me because I was buying on my own. So I just looked for something again that was just a consistent salary that I could get a mortgage and again stayed in the window industry. All right, I see. And it was that, it just sort of happened similar to like at meetings kind of thing? No, this was actually through Indeed. Right. So I actually went through the, like, the normal job searching channels and, and found them there right and then you ended up at solar frame right and that's where you spent how long was that you were there for uh just under two years just under two years and was what were you there uh, position mar- marketing manager again but for the retail side of the business so yeah. that was good because i actually got experience doing retail because i'd always been quite trade focused and then um the start of this year they said do you, do you fancy moving on to the trade side and working on building that brand and reputation in the industry. So I moved back to what I knew. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So you got the best of both worlds there. Yeah. You, you could sort of, and you do prefer the trade side. Yeah. yeah. I do. I like the, the sort of fluffy, pretty side of the retail. retail yeah. yeah. It definitely, it definitely <laughs> has that because the, I think, yeah, to some extent you do lose that, that you, with the, the, the trade side because yeah. they don't want the fluff. They just want, then you can't do all that, the lifestyle interior design no, they don't, type no. stuff, can you? <laughs> yeah, and with Soda Frame, I mean, you know, they're going. So were you involved with the showroom then? Um, setting up that, yes. Yeah. I was, when I heard about that, I was, I did admire them for that because it was something that I always saw a double glazing company. I think I told Will this, but uh, being in a position like that, um, because, you know, the sofa, uh, you know, carpets, all those on yeah. those retail parks and, Let's face it, they spend more money on double glazing than they do on those, or maybe not kitchens. I think kitchens are up there now, yeah. but even those <laughs> sorts of things. So I was really, you know, that was quite a, so was that all you then? <laughs> you no. sort of, <laughs> you was a huge, credit for that. It was a huge team effort that was. So um, obviously the marketing team, there's three of us at the time. We was definitely involved sorting out all the pretty bits, all the designed bits and things like that. And Obviously, to the outside world, it, it looked like this seamless, wonderful process. But the day before it opened, we was all there in a scruffs. 
it's always a way. open it's always. like silicon in windows and stuff like that it's always a way it doesn't matter how long you have it's yeah. literally the night before it's always there because yeah. i think you just need that kind of pressure but a lot of people as well you're right people don't really see what goes into it they just think it's easy and i think you know the, the better you are at your job the, the easier it looks mm-hmm. I, I think most people get that <laughs> so that brings us on to you've touched on it there um as a woman in the industry what's your thoughts on that is that is that good for you or bad for you I like it I think it's good it's sort of is that because you were in a position where you had a slightly different you know because you had your experience it meant that you were in a, a good position and if you didn't have that experience you think it would have been different um possibly I think it does sort of toughen you up a little bit because you know you're like being a woman in a man's world almost I know it's changed a hell of a lot since I've started in this industry over the last what is it now 10 years it has changed considerably there's definitely a lot more women around but yeah no I like it it's different I was hoping you say that (laughs) so that brings us on to the Ukraine talk me through that so what I mean this has been something that's been a massive focus of yours over the last few months now well, apart from the last month we say um but what what made you want to do it um I was watching the news one night early March and I just thought I wonder if there's something that I can do to help so I googled it and just found a load of charities that wanted money and I just thought no I want to do something why not just fly to Poland and see what happens that's wow. sort of how it started <laughs> It's very admirable what you did. And it's funny that you say about the charities because a lot of people like to give to charities, but I'm also very cautious about what they actually do with it. I don't actually get to them. And it was, I was talking to someone um, about planting trees the other day and they did point out to me that make sure the company you use to do that is actually genuine. And it's sort of, I think when you've got this certain amount of trust in people, you just assume that if it's related to charity, they're going to be honest, which is worrying. So I think, yeah, that was quite, that's, I mean, what you did is the best way to do that. But were you scared when you went out? No, you you change mindset. So I say this to a lot of people because um, the first time I was out there was in Poland, most of the time, so you're safe to some degree. Um, the second time I went, I was in Ukraine itself. So I went all over everywhere. And if you're paranoid about what's going on and you're constantly watching the sky just to see if you see something fly over you'd just be completely consumed by paranoia I think and that's when you start making mistakes and if you make mistakes you could probably end up dying so (laughs) you've got to kind of just forget where you are forget what's happening to some degree so you can just get in the right mindset I think wow yeah brilliant so what what did it look like is did you go out with a charity of sorts or did you just meet up with people that were a similar mindset and doing the same thing or did you have any support at all out there not really no so the first time I went out um I just knew from through Facebook really that there was a charity village at the Medica crossing point into Poland so you just get chatting with charities there volunteer with one of them you just literally walk up to the desk and go I'd like to help we take me so and then just kind of talking to people you make the contacts when you cross over the Medica border in the other side where the Ukraine side there's some charities there as well that do do things more deeper into Ukraine so I just got chatting with them and then through Facebook contacts I actually found the charity that I'd worked with in Klemensky 
So social media has been huge for yeah. connecting people. Yeah, so it does, I mean, a lot of people moan about it, but it does have some good still. Yeah. And I think for all our point of view, we all rely on it quite a bit these days. Yeah. That's really interesting because you sort of, I don't know, when I when I heard about you going over there, I was like, oh, I kind of assume it was a bit like a backpacking, mm. you know, it's all organised and you sort of go out and you spend <laughs> some time. But what did it look like from a work point of view then? I mean, you, you took annual holidays, so you didn't take any additional leave. So how much holiday did you have? Uh, about two, three weeks in total. Right. I think I was out there for a week and a half and then a week and a half. So I sort of worked it around the Easter bank holiday. So I'd got the Friday and Monday as bank holidays and then just put annual leave either side of it. And then because I was, at that point, I was working for Soul Conservatory Roofs. So that was the trade side of Solar Frame. I was on my own doing the marketing. So I had to kind of put things in place before I went to make sure that things carried on while I was over there. And just a bit of a contingency for whatever reason I couldn't get back. Yeah. You know, you rely on public transport in Ukraine to get around. So if you're way over in Kharkiv, it's a 12-hour journey to get back to Poland. So I thought I need to build some contingency in. And then six weeks later, I went out again and sort of did the same thing again. Right, that's interesting because I kind of pictured like you out there for like two months and maybe taking some unpaid. So you, you, you you did absolutely everything you could to... Make sure you didn't leave work in the lurch. Yeah. Um, and yeah. <laughs> offered support as well. I, I even like how you planned, you know, not, might not make it back in time. I mean, you're thinking positively, but <laughs> yeah. you're just thinking delays. Yeah. Not but um, but yeah, all that was in my head because you sort of think, okay, you know, you're, you're an integral part of the team, you know, you're needed. Um, you had a job to do and you, and you carried yeah. on doing it. But I kept Signal out there as well. So I could just keep checking my emails every now and again. And I said to everyone, if you need me, you can text me. I'll just try and reply when I can. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, so it was, I mean, you had it on multiple levels. You're answering all the questions that I'd have if I was trying to do that. So would you recommend for anyone else to do what you did? Yes, because I think for all the right reasons, it's a life-changing experience because you get to help so many people, you meet so many people, and it just it puts your own life in a bit of perspective, I think. Like, I'm still in touch with everybody out there, they handmade me a Ukrainian flag and gave uh-huh. me a flag when, flag when I left and said, keep in touch, you're one of us, you're, you know, consider us your second family. And I do. So definitely. Brilliant. And I have, you've got an account, we've got multiple accounts, haven't you, for you sharing some of the photos because obviously you were out there and you were sort of looking at it from a, a, a content point of view, really yeah. trying to show that. <laughs> so you're also trying to show what was out there. It's slightly different to sort of holiday snaps, isn't it? It's yeah. like, it's a bit more real, isn't it? It's that kind of, are you getting a good response from that? Are you, yeah. Yeah, because I think a lot of people that do go out there have got a skill that's useful in the sense of military or they're a nurse or something like that. And I thought, I've not got any skills like that that can necessarily help on the ground there, apart from just being a willing volunteer to go bomb shelters and wherever I'm needed. So I thought, well, I've got my marketing knowledge. So they think that everyone's forgetting about them. So I thought, well, if I tell their story back in the UK through radio, newspapers, social media, everything, and carry on telling their story, I kind of feel like I'm still helping them, even though I'm not there. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That does make sense. Mm. And uh, what kind of comments are you getting on it then? Are they, because we see a certain amount of coverage in the news, but it's, You've probably heard it before, but the it's not the same as what you show, is it? No, not at all. Um, I've had mixed comments. I've had um, trolls. 
keyboard warrior types. So I've had, you're a war tourist. What does a stupid little girl like you think you can do out there? Um, I hope Putin gets you. <laughs> like all things like that. Um, but then on the flip side, people will message me and say, oh, you're a hero, inspiration and stuff like that. And I can't believe how different your side of the story is, is to what is in the news. So it's a mixed bag. So that, I mean, that alone, that sort of sums up our world, doesn't it, really? That the troll thing, it's not even something that would cross my mind. But to some extent, it's probably more damaging than actually the experience of being out there in a way, because it can affect you in a completely different way. Mm. And it's from people that are obviously in some sort of pain and hurt, you know, they're not worth worrying about. But did you, when you were going out, you were probably preparing for you know, the worst bombs and things like that. But did that ever cross your mind? No, not at all. Because I just thought, surely everyone in this country must be behind Ukraine and everyone that goes to help. But I think you get the kind of people that wish they would do it, but haven't got the balls to do yes. it. So then just attack anybody that does. I think that's yeah. probably the only way. I think you get a lot of that, especially with social media. And it's it's always a case of not everyone's going to like you. And mm. you sort of get to the stage where you just... You, you don't care what they think, really, because it's like you'd rather be in a position where you're doing what you're doing yeah. than not. Um, and if it does mean that you get the odd horrible comment here and there, you can sort of take it. But on your level, because it was, I mean, they just find a way of making it not, you know, a selfless act. And they've tried to make it, make you look selfish and it's for you. And, you know, I suppose, did it make you feel good or does it just make you feel like you could do more? just makes me feel like I could do more like if I could I'd go out for there for two three months definitely because it's such a big country you spend a lot of time traveling so if you've got more time out there then you've got more time to help but you just feel like I'm leaving you and coming back to safety you get a bit of like survivor's guilt almost when you get back and do you get any kind of like I suppose at some point you you were hearing noises and you hit seeing a lot do you get any sort of like is it PTSD yeah do you get any of that yeah Honestly, um, one night I just went to shut the window before I went to bed and a firework went off. So I went back to Ukraine protocol, middle of the room, on the floor. <laughs> like people shutting wheelie bin lids, um, thunderstorms. So they gave you this kind of training when you got over there. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately you're now in a position where there's no one training you to sort of come back. So it, it, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, oh, wow. But then I talked to other volunteers, like there's one in Australia that he's gone back home as well. And he said, oh, it's, you know, thunder season over here. And I was like, well, good luck with that. So <laughs> you almost, the, the Ukrainians all, in, to some degree, laugh about it. They'll make jokes about things like, you know, if it goes bang, it's missed you. Because I suppose that's like a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. But they seem to have that. I mean, from the footage that we have seen, we saw at one point they were literally, you know, that the soldiers were on TikTok and doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you like to think it was that sort of mindset that was keeping them going. And I think, you know, it was fascinating for, for us to watch mm. and motivating in a way yeah. because they, they just saw it as it is and, and put a different spin on it. And that was kind of, I, I like that. It was admirable. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's doing the same thing. It is a coping mechanism. So... Wow. So you might go back. I was meant to be going back at the end of August. But, but because of... Things have changed. Situations. So, <laughs> yes, so let's talk about that. Then. So you're now... Uh, well, so what are you doing now, should we say? What's, what's the best way to explain this? Um, I've gone it alone and set up my own little marketing agency, events, concierge type thing. And that all makes sense now. So the concierge type and the event side, that's all part of your background yeah. as well. Because it's it, there's... 
I think a lot of people with marketing, especially they get, it, it covers such a wide area and it's all, they sort of all overlap. And I think people get confused about who, who does what and, and, but it's, I say this a lot to people, even content creation, it's a lot of organizing. That's yeah. the majority of it. The rest, like turning up on the day, it's usually the easy bit. And for events and things, it's the same thing. It's so much prep, so much organizing that no one sees, no one gives you the credit for, but it needs to be done. It's a yeah. necessary evil. And the concierge thing is very interesting as well, because not many people do that. I just like organizing things and I like travel. So I just thought if I just, I'd, well, because it was, Something that kind of happened without necessarily much thought. I just thought, right, I'm going on my own. Let's do it. What do I enjoy doing? And what do I th- sort of think I'm good at? I love organizing like holidays and things like that. Like, you know, I'm one of them if you go on a city break or something. I don't want to just wander around trying to find things. So I thought, oh, if I just kind of do like a concierge type thing where I say, if you want to spend 48 hours in a city, if you're on a business trip, then I'll like plan out an itinerary. Nice. It's just like my own little fun thing so you're an, you're an organized person by nature would you say are yeah. you a list maker yes so you make a to-do list is it written or digital written ah interesting yeah. so you like to write everything down it's satisfying crossing it off yeah so you no no that makes sense that makes sense yeah you solve a lot of problems to a lot of people that aren't organized and it, does it frustrate you to see someone who's not organized or do you just want to help them it, it's frustrating but i think if i can help them then because I've there's a lot I've met a lot of disorganized people I can so. imagine and they, you know especially in the fenestration world entrepreneurs running around you yeah. got you got so many that's like exactly, a new idea that's exactly my target market yeah that it's just so many ideas and trying to focus and you need someone on the day-to-day so and is there a level of OCD in this of organization Completely. yeah okay well, I was say, that's, it's not that I could tell that about you but there's I just find that with organized people there's usually some degree of that and I yeah. think I've, I've I've only got a bit of that I I'm I always cause my, class myself as necessarily organized you know I'm not naturally like it. I have to work very hard on yeah. it and it sometimes I waste my energy sorting out systems and things like that when I really don't need to you could just tick those things off yeah. um, but I'm always fascinated by people's lists and things like that so you help people with all of that marketing and that you can start at any level and you also build onto teams, don't you as well? Yeah. So it, it means that it, even if they've got their in-house marketing team, you can still help. And of course you're the go-to person when they need something organized or events and things like that and bringing in. And what I found is even with just having an extra person in the room and having some ideas it is, is really powerful. Yeah. So it's really nice to sort of be in that position where you, you can do that as well. So there isn't much you can't do. Well, there's, there's things that I'm not the best at, but I've got good contacts that... I Which is another part. Yeah. It's very important. For when I was at Solar Frame, I was known as Siri. So <laughs> with, like my, with like my window industry knowledge and stuff, they'd just be like shouting across the room, oh, you know, what's this? What does this mean? What does this mean? So that's why I kind of, when I built it into my website, I was like, I could be your marketing Siri. So that if you just, you know, need someone extra in your team to bounce ideas off or... So I'm not just like a marketing agency in the typical sense of a standalone thing, I think is the best way to describe it. Brilliant. That's good. So that brings me on to the last three questions. So in the whole of your journey so far, is there a low point that sticks out for you? Uh, being made redundant. That was <laughs> Straight in there. So it's, it's definitely on your mind. It's, and you've managed to turn that into a positive in a way. Oh, completely. Yeah, it was... Because it, it came a bit out of the blue and a bit by surprise. So I suppose probably going back to 
being in Ukraine about switching mindset and stuff like that, I switched my mindset of, right, this is not a negative thing. This is something that I've wanted to do for probably about the last four or five years, but never sort of dared do it. Now my hand's been forced to go it on my own. So let's just go for it and see what happens. Yeah, brilliant. And that's interesting as well. So you were, you know, you had the idea of you wanted to go out on your own. Yeah. That didn't scare you at all no. then. And has it changed since that you've started on your own? The best thing I've ever done. <laughs> there you go. That's good. So does that answer the next question? Is there a high point that sticks out for you? Uh, probably this, actually. Still going? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Well, that's a nice easy one. So this <laughs> might be the hardest one for you then. So of all the people you know, and there's quite a few people in the fenestration world mm. that you know, uh, if you had to spend two weeks on a desert island with just one of them, yeah. who would it be? Sarah Ball. Oh, there you go. Yeah, hands down. We had such a great time when we did Paddle to Pedal together. And we've got so many memories and so many laughs. So yeah, definitely her. Brilliant. And she's just about to embark on uh, another journey of it. I know, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Open invitation. You're welcome back anytime and we'll catch up with you uh, after the next phase of your journey. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great conversation with Nikki. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you'd like to hear more podcasts like this one, consider subscribing. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Until next time.